So this is, uh, this is parenting. And uh, someone asked me, is this parenting your children or how you were parented? <laughs> uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a different seminar one day about how you were parented. Um, and we tell our kids all, all the time, we know you're going to need counseling one day for how we screwed you up. Uh, so we'll, we'll do that seminar later. We, we, know we're, we know we're screwing our kids up and we know you're screwed up because we were screwed up. Uh, so we'll have, a, we'll have a different seminar about that. But this is how you can screw your kids up uh, 101. <laughs> uh, that's what this seminar is. Uh, Danielle, stand up. This is, this is my wife, Danielle. Uh, been married 21 years, uh, four kids. Uh, added Olivia to that mix a few years ago and uh, walked through a lot of things with her. So we count her as our fifth child. Uh, but we've, we've got to, we're going to share some of our experiences, but I just wanted to y'all see her. She's going to share some too, but she's real uncomfortable in front of crowds. I'm not. Um, and so, so you'll see that come out in this. Uh, it's interesting. I, I asked my, speaking of how you were parented, my dad is a, uh, a violent atheist, doesn't believe in God, never has, never will. And he hates anything to do with religion. I haven't seen him since I was 13, but I, I, I started playing violin when I was three years old. Uh, and that's a little known fact about me. And I asked my mother one day, why did my dad start, why did you start me playing violin when I was three? And he, she said, your father wanted you to always be comfortable in crowds. Uh, and if there's one thing I'm comfortable in, it's crowds. Uh, uh, so sovereign foundations there. All right. Um, so basically, basically what we're going to try to do here is, is as we got the demographic information of where you are, uh, from empty nesters down to newborns or to just wanting to have babies. Uh, that's, that's the, the, the spectrum of where we are with the folks in this room about parenting. So obviously we're not going to be able to address all of that specifically, but hopefully what we're going to be able to do is give some, some pretty 30,000 foot perspectives down into how we flesh this out in our own family. Um, but I know we won't scratch, scratch everyone where you're itching right now, um, but what we hope over the next year in the church is to set some things aside where we can deal with certain issues that you're facing as grandparents, as parents of high-needs children, of parents of strong-willed children, of, of parents and choosing schooling and, and that kind of thing. We, we, got, we hope that we can work that out as a church over the next year because we know those are, those are major issues. So we're going to address some of that today. All right, let me read the, the, the passage of Scripture that has been the foundation for, for Danielle and I for 21 years in marriage and parenting in our life, and it is Psalm 78, uh, 5 through 8. I'll, I'll read this and I'll pray. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. All right, let's pray and ask God's help. Lord, give us grace over the next uh, 30, 35 minutes to talk about parenting in some practical and real ways that will be beneficial. But Lord, more than anything, I pray that our hearts would be drawn to you, that we as parents, as future parents, as grandparents would set our hope on you and that we would teach our children to set their hope on you. So give Danielle and I the grace we need over these next few minutes. Give our friends uh, the, the grace they need to hear and help us to be better at this, that we would see a generation raised up from this church and in this city that would be a mighty uh, 
mighty vanguard of, of laborers and lovers in this city for the glory of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, we really view this passage, and, we, and for, for lack of a better word, we view ourselves as patriarchs and matriarchs of the Witherington clan. <laughs> Uh, and that's how we, that's how we've thought. Uh, we, if you walk into our foyer, we actually have a, uh, family crest shield that we made that, uh, we came up with, uh, just over our time. Uh, one of our daughters who's artistic had to do something for a class one day and she wanted to find the Witherington shield. And I don't know that there is one out there. So she just made one up based on our family mission and all. Uh, but that's how we think about it, that we have a, uh, a family clan, the Witheringtons. We use that language. What does it mean to be a Witherington? You know, it's a mouthful for you know the kids to say that. But but this this I think this is a biblical precedent for that. That your job as a mom and as a dad is to matriarch and patriarch your family, and not just your immediate family, as Robert said last Sunday, but generations to come. Uh, our vision for our parenting is not just the here and now. Now, I know we live in the here and now and, and all the, the craziness of dirty diapers and, uh, and dating, you know, that spectrum. We're in that phase um, in the, now where kids are starting to date. Um, but at the end of the day, what we're hoping is generation after generation after generation of Witheringtons who will love Christ. And so uh, what's clear in this passage is also the, the original creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply that what happens with Adam and Eve, God intended to multiply down through the generations. Um, we have that vision and hope as well. But the main goal of this passage and the main goal of what we have tried to do as parents is God. Is that they would set their hope in God. And this became really, really crystallized for me just in the last three or four months. And, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, this, is, this, this is what happened. Danielle and I have been married 21 years. And we've basically had the same exact fight for 21 years. The same thing. It just rears its head in a different way. And it basically goes like this. Hey, hey, honey, why are you doing that this week on Monday? I thought we were, you know, doing something else. Are you challenging my schedule? I, I'm a good dad. I'm a good husband. I think well for my family. Why are you questioning what I'm doing on Tuesday? Don't I always think for the family? Like, all right, you can see where that goes, right? In some form, it's a question about my schedule, my calendar. And then if I'm, depending on what mood I'm in, I defensive, self-protecting, uh, Wait a minute, you don't know, I work real hard to be a good dad, good husband, why, why would you question? Spiral, oh, you're such a great dad, great husband, I can't ever question you, back away, back away, go to her room, go to my room, and for 21 years, we, we make up, kiss and make up, and those are great, and, but we never get really got that fight resolved, right? It kind of lingers. So it, it just happened several times over the last several months, and so we said, let's get some help, right? So Sandy said, get help, right? We said, let's get some help. So we called our friend and said, hey, we help us. So we had a 45-minute uh, conversation over the phone with, our, with a counselor, a friend of ours, and, and this is what she said to me. And this, this so crystallized what I want to say to y'all is helping me right now. Is She said, well, do you have the goal to be a good husband and a good father? I said, well, sure I do. And she said, I think that's your problem. And I, it just it knocked me out of my seat. It's, a, it's wrong for me to have the goal of being a good father and a good husband? She said, that's a good desire. God needs to be your goal. And man, it just, it came over me like a, a breath of fresh air. My goal is God. And it's a great desire to be a good husband and a good father. But I fail all the time at both of those. God never fails. He's my goal. And so... 
uh, it was a great reminder. And I just want to say, this is our main goal is God. So as we talk about parenting, uh, we don't, we're not going to call it, uh, you know, growing kids God's way or uh, focus on the family or God-centered parenting. We're going to call it hope in God. Is that good? We're going to call it hope in God. Uh, remember God. Hope in Him. All right, so let me give a, and, and, and for just so we're clear, let me give a couple of qualifiers that I think are important before we get into this. Number one, there is a difference between principles and applications. You have to know this. A principle is timeless. It, it crosses uh, generational gaps. It crosses uh, gender gaps. It crosses, it crosses ethnic gaps. Principle, principles don't change because they, they're rooted in something eternally true. Applications better change by kid to kid, family to family, generation to generation. And so it's important that you listen to the applications that we may say, but you find the principles. We're going to try to do a good job of helping you see what principles we are operating off of, but that's important. Um, Principles and applications are very... So, for example, the principle of the Bible is walk with God. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. An application... Read your Bible. Illiterate people can't read their Bibles, but they can still walk with God. You see the difference there? That's an application. Read your Bible every day. Principle is walk with God. Okay. And you'll see that in parenting. Number two, be careful of comparing and competing. With the advent of Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Pinterest and all these horrific places where you can go display your greatest and horrific moments as a mom and dad, the elevated sin of envy and jealousy is rampant. It is, it's rampant. We have seen this sin of envy and jealousy be the most oppressive in our life, just to be honest. We, and we both come from horrible divorced families. But the sin of envy, jealousy, comparison, competing is the most oppressive. Please be careful of that. Please do not look at other people's Pinterest and Facebook and whatever they're posting and and try to mimic, model, or get depressed uh, about what you're seeing. Be careful of comparing and competing in this area. And we'll talk some more about that. And then thirdly, third qualifier is individually and intentionally parent. Not everything works for every child. Uh, not, not the thing, that's the thing you did last week for one child won't work the next week for one, the same child, right? You've seen that, but you've got to parent individually, but you have to parent intentionally. Uh, and I will say this a lot too. There is no quick fix. There is no one size fits all. So these are, these are necessary qualifiers. And I hope that even that alone will set you free as a parent, that there are principles and you can play with the applications. That's the great thing about the gospel is you're going to fail at your applications and there's forgiveness for you. The principles never fail, uh, and that's good. Comparing and competing, confessing my, my desire to be envious or jealous or to compare myself, and then parent individually and intentionally. All right, one last thing before we kind of get into some things. So here's some preliminary and primary things. If, and, and these four things that I'm going to give you here, if, we, if, these, if this was all we talked about, this would be enough, I really do think, in parenting. Number one, pray for your children. You know, we say this over and over, but I just wrote here three prayer, three basic prayers that we have prayed for our kids. And it goes something like this. First prayer, Lord, my child is manifesting this behavior. Help me understand. Help me know how to engage him or her. I see a symptom, Lord, before I react, 
help me understand what's going on there. That's a good prayer. Second thematic prayer we've had. Lord, my child is facing this challenge at school, on the ball field, at dance, at home. Please help me know how to equip him or her to handle this challenge with courage, faith, humility. I'm not just going to fix the problem for them. Sandy talked about this. Lord, help me to know how to equip them to handle the challenge they're facing. We had one this week with our 11th grader at Tate's Creek. We had to intervene as parents, but we also had to equip her. How is she going to handle this? That's a good prayer. Lord, help me to know how to equip them. Third thematic prayer. Lord, my child has this blank opportunity. Please help us discern if he or she should pursue it, why he or she should pursue it, and how they should pursue it. Again, Lord, help me discern. They have this opportunity to go to a party, to have a spend the night, to make a team, to make this, to get this scholarship, to go on that, whatever it is. Lord, help me to know if they should do it, why they should do it, how they should do it. And in all those, it's a, it's a plea to God for help. Uh, I don't want to react in my parenting. I don't want to overreact in my parenting, right? Uh, I want God's help. Uh, the, way I, the, the way, some of you may have heard me say this before, but the way that I, I think about this in all of, all of our, my prayer life is I pray this almost every day. Lord, correct me where I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong, so correct me. But I also have your spirit confirm me where I'm right. I know I'm right somewhere because I have your spirit. I walk in faith. So I walk that line, even in our parenting, correct us where we're wrong, but confirm us where we're right. So that'd be the first one. Pray for your children. Secondly, think for your children. Get the, 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 the Proverbs say, get wisdom. Whatever you get, get understanding. And I said that in some of the prayer things here. You, you can't default your way and aim at nothing type parenting. You have to think for your children. Each child is different. Each child's needs are different. So think for them. It's okay to fail. Risk failing because you've thought of how to, how to reach them, how to help them. Don't abdicate your responsibility to someone else or something else. Think for your children. Third, model the gospel for your children. Not just in teaching them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, do that. Yes, read the Jesus Storybook Bible to them. But they need to see you repent in ways that you've sinned against them and the way they've seen you sin against others. I love the example that Sandy gave today of getting on the phone. You know, he, he's like, yes, man, that's great. Hang it up. Oh, she's such a witch. Uh, you know, it's like your kids see that. <laughs> they, they see the duplicitous thing. You need to repent of that duplicity in front of them. You, we, we do, we need to, Laura, I know that you heard mom and dad say that about so-and-so. Would you forgive us for being slanderous? Would you forgive us for being angry, bitter? They, they, your kids need to see that model. Uh, you're the chief repenter of your house. And then fourthly, preliminary thing, grow in grace in front of your children. I've become more and more convinced of this. The best thing you have to offer your children and people is your presence. And if your presence is one that has been in the presence of Jesus, then you have a lot to offer, whether you get it right or not, whether you've got the applications right or not, whether you're doing it all right. If your presence with God is then bent out in your presence with your children, holiness, righteousness, faith, humility, you are making an impact. That's Sandy repeated this over and over this morning. Being teachable, being a learner, being a reader, being thoughtful, having emotional intelligence. All these things is what we want from our kids. Are they true of me? Uh, am I teachable? Am I learning? Am I growing? Am I humble? 
I can't expect them to have what I don't have. And so uh, those are some preliminary things. Okay, so the, the approach we're going to take, we're going to take five areas that, that we our desire is to take this, uh, this Psalm 78 passage. And I just put in there in the red there, this is, this is how we want to talk about this. That our kids would hope in God and they would remember God. They would not forget who God is. Uh, God gave you and I the amazing privilege of, of stewarding and, and discipling his uh, image bearers. Uh, I love the way he said that. You don't own your kids. God does. And he, but he's given you the opportunity to steward them and to raise them. And so here's, here's area number one. In the area of authority. Um, God is the supreme authority. The child learns to submit to God's supreme authority by learning to submit to you. Uh, this is not a democracy at home, right? It's a monarchy. <laughs> uh, it is. That is you know, that's my language. I, I like that kingly, like, you know, general type language. You find your own language, right? Uh, we, uh, we, my, one of my daughters was, uh, I have this in my notes elsewhere, but I'll say it here. One of my daughters, well, we'll get into each child has their unique kind of thing they like to do. And our third daughter, Caroline, she's, she loves dogs. I hate dogs. Uh, I grew up in Atlanta. No dogs, no animals, not even gerbils. Didn't like them. Uh, now I have two dogs in my house uh, because I love Caroline. Um, but it was my job in my own discipleship to be the one to take her to dog training classes. So we, we enrolled in the 4-H dog training classes and we went up to Bryant State, or, uh, Masterson Station for years. We trained our big dog, Colonel, and our little bitty sheep dog, Peanut. And, uh, but one of the, that was great. You know, I went and the, and, the, and the dog training professional there, Laurie is her name, she said this, she said, every dog is trying to figure out where the lead wolf is. Uh, that's just how they're made. And I thought, well, I can get on with that. Uh, I'm, I'm lead wolf at my house. Uh, you know, all my little dogs are wondering where the lead wolf is. Uh, but, but there's something very biblical about that too. A child is wanting to know, who's, who's the lead wolf in this pack? Uh, who has the authority? Will, will you do as the, as the parent? In a shadowy way, you model for your children God's authority over you, over the world, by asking them to view you as their authority. Uh, all right, Daniel, you want to say some things there? Um, so I just wrote down a couple things. Um, mothers need to be confident in their role that God has given you. Um, I think this can go different ways, but today children seem to dominate or determine what the parents do in a lot of situations. Um, not all, but some. And then um, for me, it really was that. And then mothers need to be clear and confident in their leadership of the child. I, a lot of y'all know Sarah is 18 now and she's in college. Um, and she's a lot like Will, so she's, she's really strong, really strong. So when she was about three, she was ruling me. I mean, just took total control, I would say, no, darling, we're not going to eat that. And she could give me five reasons why she needed to eat that at three. You know, so she was just very smart, very strong, very articulate, which I was none of, especially when we first got married. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe that is a good idea. And I'm reasoning <laughs> with a three-year-old. And it's like, what? So then she was so bad. She was so bad. Uh, mostly because I was so out of control. She just kind of ruled me and told me what to do. And Will would come home and be like, what? Um, and so I sat down with a sweet mom. So you need older moms in your life. A sweet mom. And she said, well, Sarah is really strong-willed. And I was like, really? 
do you think so? She, <laughs> um, so she ruled me. Anyway, um, but by the time I, I kind of started getting it under control, thankfully, and by the time I had, had Andrew, who was my fourth, Buddy, I had a spoon in my back pocket, and I was on it. I mean, that boy, no, we're not going to do that, you know. And so I just learned, and I grew over time, just growing your confidence. You're not going to know. I still don't know what to do with my 18-year-old daughter, and she's dating. Talk about panic. You know, I had a panic attack, and Will's like, honey, it's okay. It's time, you know. And so just I think with each stage, bless her, you know, um, Mr. Sandy Wilson talked about those firstborn children. Um, but she's great, and she's fun, and she's full of life. And you know, you just really can't screw them up because they're the Lord's, and they're not yours. So you can be confident in the role that God has given you as a mom because um, he's given you that role, and he hasn't given someone else to be the mother to Sarah and Laura and Caroline and Andrew and Olivia. Um, he's given me that role to be their moms. And so um, just as far as authority, you're their mom. You know what's best. So that's it. Okay, good. All right, so a close second to authority is, uh, is God's word. And, and I think, you know, to hope in God, uh, he, he said he gave them a testimony in, in Israel. He gave them commands to follow that God intends for his people to obey his word, to follow his commands. Well, God gave you the, the privilege of being the, the, the on-ramp for that for your kids. And so if your kids can't obey you, uh, how are they going to obey God? Uh, if they don't obey your words, they're not going to have any view of God's words. Um, and, and, and how we have thought about this is a child has to learn to follow simple commands, not your emotions. I mean, I, I'll never forget the day that I was trying to get my children to quit yelling in the house. You know how I did it? Why is there nobody yelling in this house? And then I stopped. I'm like, oh, because you're yelling in this house. You know, it's like, uh, my kids don't need to learn to respond to my emotions. They need to respond to what I say. You know, Bill Cosby, I know he's not a great example now, but he has a great little clip on children. And he says, you know, it's like, you tell the child to come here. Well, they don't hear that. You have to send a barrage of hears. Come here, 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 come here. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a funny little thing. But it's the point. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that with you, Andrew. Come here. There's enough for you to get out of your seat and come to me. I want you to not come here, you know, where I'm smoke coming out and all. Because now he's responding to an emotion, not a command. He's not, he's not responding to a word. And this is so important because I, I tested this with my kids. I, I'm a little bit sinister, maybe. Um, it's like, clean your room. They don't hear that. Anybody want a cookie? More kids right there. They heard that. So it's not a hearing problem. We established that. It's a heart problem. It's not a hearing problem. And so I would, I would have that discussion with them. It's like, you know... Last night, I asked you guys if you anybody wanted dessert, and everybody jumped up and was doing the dishes with a smile, and <laughs> it's great, we're going to eat dessert. Today, when I corrected you for whatever, you didn't hear me. You went on your business. Like, do you understand the difference there? And helping them understand, you don't have a hearing problem. You have a heart problem, and you need to learn to obey God's word. All right, third area is created order. One of the things that's true about God is he creates order. Uh, I mean, you... Any, any science that we study from geology to biology to the, just the world around us is so ordered. Uh, it seems chaotic, right? But there's, there's, there's method to the madness. There's beauty in the, the, the craziness of how God created the world. 
it's the same for humans. He intends for us to live in order. In fact, the, 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 the only command given to the nation of Israel with a promise associated to it was children, obey your, uh, obey your parents and the Lord. Can you finish it? So it'll go well with you in the land. Like there's a, that's the only command he gave sort of a byproduct. You do this, this is what will happen. Because there's order there. There's, there's something uh, about order. And let me just say here, order is not the same thing as control. This really, need to, that really needs to be understood. Because you can actually be out of control at times. And having four children and having young children is very out of control. But your kids can be safe. They can be provided for. They can have clear responsibilities. And it feel chaotic. And the same can be true. You can have ultimate control and your kids be anxious, angry, smothered, and have no order. So control and order are not the same things. Uh, make that distinction. Teaching your kids the, the created order of cause and effect. Sandy talked about that, that your decisions have consequences. You don't have to make all the decisions for your children. You don't have to hedge around everything they do and make sure they didn't never fail. It's actually good for them to fail. Uh, for them to see cause and effect and, and that kind of thing. And that can make sleepless nights and uh, churns in the stomach and discussions at, you know, late at night at bed where you're trying to figure out how to do this. Uh, but created order is helping your kids understand their gifts, their talents, that they're uniquely designed by God. None of your children are going to be the same. They're not going to have the same interests and loves, personalities. But God created them, uh, and your job is to order that. And to bring dominion is the, the creation mandate there, to bring dominion to that. Um, okay, Danielle, you want to add some thoughts there? So um, we are trying to speak to so many different levels of parenting. But um, when our children were young, it was so helpful that um, I had a schedule and a system of how we kind of did feeding and we had playtime and we would go to the library and um, so just weekly events and routines were super helpful when they were little. Um, and then as they've grown, we just have more of a family pattern or lifestyle. Um, and God has given our family um, a purpose and a mission, and the children have learned our family pattern. Um, so, for example, we have a lot of people in our home, and so... Um, there are times when it's an emergency and it's like, kids, you need to go find something to do now, quietly. Upstairs, don't come down and I don't want to see you again. And so, you know, you kind of train them. We need them to do this. And Sarah would take the others and they would find something to do and they'd be creative and fun because they knew they were a part of our family mission. It wasn't, kids, I need you to get out of the way now. It was, but they understood our family pattern and our family mission. And so... You know, they were able to, or if we had people in our home and um, we were eating dinner together, they were a part of those discussions. They were a part of our um, just life mission there. Um, so we've had a lot of counseling that we've done in our home. We've had people um, stay with us, a lot of people that come in and out. And then we've had people who live with us, and then they've had to give up their room. Um, and I think especially you think about teenagers and giving up their space and what they've been asked to do. Um, but I think, I think it's really helped our children to, for us to invite them into the mission of what we're doing. And, and then we pray for the people that come in and out of our home. We pray for what's going on in our home with our children. Um, and we have each, we have our kids pray for each other. 
Um, but just that they're growing, um, our kids at a growing level understand what we do as a family and what we're trying to do um, and the mission that God has given us. And, um, and they're a part of it. They're not in the way or, um, yeah, they're not in the way, but they understand that they're a part of it. And they love being a part of something that's bigger than themselves. I think especially in middle and high school, that has been um, really neat for them to see because they invite their friends to our house and they want their friends to be at our house because they understand that mom and dad have a vision for something bigger than themselves. Um, and so that's kind of how we've thought about it. So one, one application you made is just you know, good discussion would be, does your family have, is your, is your family clear on its mission? Uh, what, are, what are you asking your children to be a part of? What, uh, and that, that'd, be a great, that'd be a great question. All right, uh, number four, discipline. Um, it's clear. And, and if we're going to have hope in God, there's discipline involved. Hebrews 12 clearly teaches this, that God disciplines those he loves. Uh, God disciplined Israel. God disciplines his children. Um, and and, and this, this one needs a lot to be said, and we're not going to have the time to say it. Um, but when we talk about discipline, you know, the root word for discipline is also the same for disciple. Uh, and so discipline is not just punishment. And we tend to, how are you disciplining your child? And she just mentioned the spoon in the back pocket. You know, it's like, that was our, that was our form of retributive discipline. Uh, uh, we call it the gospel spoon. I'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) Seriously. And I'll tell you why in a second, but it was, uh, it was, it was meant to punish. (laughs) Um, so, so. All, you know, uh, total, total transparency. Yes, we believe in spanking, but we do not believe that spanking is the best or only solution at all times and at most times. Uh, we believe any form of discipline retributively must hurt uh, or it becomes patronizing. If it doesn't hurt, meaning not hurt like in a physical abusive type way, but <laughs> whatever I just did that got that discipline, I don't want to do again. It needs to be a reminder that a cause and effect just happened. Sometimes, it, so the spanking ought to hurt, and the taking of privileges ought to hurt, not just patronizing them. Um, and I'll give you an example, and some of you are going to be horrified by this example, but I love it. Uh, Danielle doesn't like me to share this one, but I'm going to share it. I don't anyway. know what you're sharing. The, the Halloween candy. Oh, y'all All right, are so that, die. some of you are going to hate me for this one. That's okay. Uh, it won't be the first time, but um, so. Halloween, you know, is, uh, Halloween has been a great season for us to train. Laura, our second child uh, in our birth order, uh, came into her own at two trick-or-treating. She was kind of shy and walked around. And when she figured out knocking, saying trick-or-treat, got her candy, she was like walking in people's houses, talking to them, greeting them, telling her name, asking questions. And we just like, this child transformed to trick-or-treating. Well, we also started noticing that Halloween candy became an incredible source of tension in our home, arguing, backbiting, fighting. And so when we, had, when we had all four of the kids, when Andrew was really, really young, and Sarah and Laura were old enough, and Caroline was getting there, to, we could kind of see these patterns at Halloween developing, you know, just the, the greed and all that coming out, you know, it comes with Halloween candy. So what we decided to do very early was to make Halloween candy communal. This is the Witherington stash. And it was great, you know, I said, y'all go out and get the Witherington stash, and it would be huge mounds of candy for weeks. Because everybody had their responsibility in going to get it. Uh, so we established the communal candy thing. And everybody got to pick their 10 or 12 out that they loved, you know, and they'd get their Starburst and their, you know, Pixie Sticks, whatever, and they'd get their own little stash. But we had the communal candy. But I said, here's the one restriction. 
If I hear any arguing about the candy, all of it goes in the trash. Everybody clear? Yes, we're all clear, Dad. Okay. You know, Sarah's older. Andrew, you clear? You know, he didn't really understand. Sarah, (laughs) understood. Dad's serious. Lead wolf, speaking his word with authority right now. Clear. So we go Halloween, you know, come back, we get back home, got the communal candy in the middle of the floor. Everybody's divvying up there, 12, you know, they want. And then sure enough, I don't remember who it was. It was one of them. That's mine! And a, you know, a fight over a Milky Way started, or whatever it was. I very calmly walked over, scooped all the candy back into the canister, had a team meeting. We, call it, we, we don't call them family meetings, or we call them team meetings. At the trash can, and I dumped all the candy in the trash. And my kids were like, you're the worst person on the planet. You know, it's like, what was that Jimmy Fallon uh, or Jimmy Kill? It's like, what'd you do with the candy? We really did it. And they had no candy that year. But I'm telling you, and I'll, I'll get to this in a second. Uh, that discipline hurt. But it made the point. And I explained it to him. I'm not being mean. Uh, and, and secretly, Danielle and I dug back through and got our own stash later. Because <laughs> we're hypocrites. <laughs> Uh, just so it's not that noble, right? It's really not that noble. But my kids, and to this day, they talk about that incident. That it's, dad's serious, and the sin of arguing and backbiting is serious in this house. It's, we're serious about that here, and that was the point. So uh, discipline. You know, we're at the phase now with older kids. We're, we're dealing with video games and their phones. You can't just haphazardly go through this stuff. I mean, just the other day, I'm having to talk with Andrew about the parameters, about uh, he likes to play a video game that he, you know, he can get online and play with his buddies. Hey, bud, we're going to be careful about who we let come in. You know, I know J-Mo's got his buddy that he, you know, from, you know, from uh, you know, North Dakota that comes in and wants to play your Fortnite with you. Like, we're not going to do that. I don't know that guy. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what, if he's tapping into our bank account, you know, through X, I don't know if that works, you know, all that. I'm paranoid about that, to be honest, but... Uh, my, but my point is, Andrew, we're not going to get consumed with this. There's going to be discipline and parameters here. So you know what I'll do sometimes? He'll come and he'll say, Dad, can I play Xbox? And just for the sake of saying no, I'll say no. Because I want to see if he's detached or attached to it. Is he willing to let it go? If, he's, if he pitches a fit every time I say no, then we got bigger problems in the video game. And so all along, establishing parameters and disciplines that, yes, they need to hurt, but they need to be age-appropriate, and uh, the kid needs to comprehend it. I remember very little uh, early on, and I have to do this now. The child has to be able to understand what you mean. What, do you understand the consequences? Can you repeat back to me what will happen if you do that again? Uh, so, that, so that I'm not in the reacting and just disciplining, and they don't have any clue what's going on. There's got to be explanation to that. Um, we used to have, we have very creative disciplines. Uh, one of the funny stories that Daniel says, she used to make the girls run laps around the house uh, as, as a discipline. And my office at our house now um, is down in the basement. So I used to work from home a lot when I was uh, full-time with Kim Sourich. But I had a window right there. And uh, they would, when they were getting punished from running run laps, Laura would duck under the window <laughs> so she could, so she wouldn't, because she knew if she saw me, she'd get a, Get to talking to you later. You know, it's like, why are we running laps? What's going on with you? You know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, 
But the other night, we, were, we had all the kids, we were, we were sitting on the bed, and, and we sit on the bed and talk all the time. Now it seems to gravitate into our girls' rooms, and we're just sitting there laughing and talking and most every night. And we were sitting in our, actually on our bed the other night, and we had Andrew and, and I guess it was Andrew and Laura in there. And we were talking about this aspect of discipline. We were, we were rehashing all this. You know, they were laughing. And Andrew said, we, we, we said, what, do you all remember any creative disciplines we gave you? And Andrew goes, oh, I remember one. And I said, well, what is this? The carrying of the logs. You had me roll logs up and down the hill in our backyard. We have a real steep backyard hill. And I said, you're right. And I, I, he said, I don't remember what I did to have to do that. He said, but you know what? I, I remember the lesson. You know what you told me, Dad? He said, do the big logs first. And then the smaller ones. You won't be as tired. And he said, I remember that, Dad, because the other day in language arts, teacher gave me an assignment. I did the hardest questions first. And I did the simple ones later, and it was great. I was finished. That's, that's the point of discipline, right? He is, is that they get the lesson. Uh, it, 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 I wish you could have seen him carrying these logs. Up and <laughs> it was, I think it was like 2 in the morning. You know, we were doing it. I, I don't remember, but it was like late, and I'm not, and I'm just yeah. fuming mad. I'm sitting out there it watching him not. carrying logs, like, go get another one, you know. And, we're, you know. <laughs> and uh, but then, but I have enough in my head to know he needs to know do the big ones first because if he does the little bitty ones, you know, carrying them up, you know, the little bitty ones, then it, when it gets to the big ones, he's going to be really coming to pieces. Uh, anyway, so you get it, you get the point. Creative, creative, uh, creative discipline. Right, Danielle, some some thoughts there. Laura is so funny to hear about the running of laps. She'll say, you know, Mom, I've seen the sides of our house more than anybody else in our family. <laughs> and the reason I made her run is because she cried all the time. I was like, if she cries another day. Sarah went to school. I had homeschooled, and Sarah went to school, and she cried every day because she missed Sarah. I thought, oh, my word, if she cried. So I made her run laps. So she could get a grip and come back, and you're going to be okay without Sarah. But they're still best friends, so it's kind of sweet. Um, anyway, that's not what I was going to say. But um, so parenting as far as um, discipline. Um, so especially when the kids were little, well, actually now too, but it was different. When the kids were little, um, I had too many kids. I was really outnumbered. Um, I was very insecure and unsure what to do most of the time. Um, I was overwhelmed with just the amount of just trying to get the laundry done, just hoping to get everybody's meals, you know, everybody's fed and diapers. And um, and so I started seeing things um, that Will would come home and I would start. At first, we didn't know exactly what we were doing, but he would come home and he would be like, how's your day? And I would be like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. And I don't know what I'm doing. And, I, you know, I would cry. Speaking of Laura, maybe I needed to run some laps. Um, Laura and and I are very much alike, so it's really funny. Um, But I started, we started noticing that I would train day after day, and I would notice um, patterns of sin or just habits that were going on, um, and I would have to deal with them, you know, on the in the moment. But then I would communicate them to Will. And he would come up with a creative plan of what to do. And so then he would give me a game plan. So I feel like that over time when the kids were little, just so I could survive four kids, you know, and they weren't even all boys. I just had one boy. You know, when you have four boys, that's just even more. Um, But anyway, so that was one way that I feel like I was so supported as a mom um, just to to survive those young, younger years. Um, So... One thing I noticed with Laura is she just had a lot more fear. 
um, than our other children. Our other children have no fear, and we have the opposite problem. Like, I'm trying to rein Caroline in and Andrew, who climbed on the roof at two. Um, but Laura had a lot of fear. And so even in the, our Korea discipline, one thing that we did with Laura is we like to hike a lot. And so we would take the kids hiking, and Will would sit her on the edge of the natural bridge. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Y'all might think that's serious. <laughs> Actually, it was kind of like that. But he would make her climb rocks. Um, he would make her climb. And so that she learned to overcome some of those just fears that she had. And it's fun to see her now because she is fierce. She's a volleyball player, and she's a high jumper. And that girl is fierce. And she goes to Tate's Creek High School. You know, and at first it was like, oh, how are those? She's real pretty. And so it's like, do the boys mess with you? What do you do? How do you handle this walking down the hall? And she's like, no, Mom, I've got it. I mean, she has no fear. She has, you know, total confidence in how to handle herself. And so discipline is so much more than just um, spanking, which I did a lot of, especially Andrew. Sarah needed more. But I did Andrew. Um, but just training in um, giving them opportunities to grow. Um, another one, um, Andrew. Andrew um, pitched a lot of fits. Will called it passion. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not passion. That's he's pitching a fit. Um, <laughs> you know, Sarah threw something at me. Carrie was in that video the other night. Um, that was Carrie. Carrie actually taught Laura to eat. The chips with her toes. Carrie's taught my children so many great things. Um, this was before she had children, and then it was like, you just wait. Pay back. Um, but she was over one day, and Sarah threw something at me, and of course I was like, I don't know what to do. But um, anyway, some of, the, some of the times when they were little, I kind of I got overwhelmed. And so there were days that I communicated, Will would communicate to Sarah before, um, she, before he left for the day now. Mommy is going to knows, you know, here are the parameters, and he gave her some parameters. And when I get back, Mom's going to tell me how it went today. And if it did not go well, if you did not listen and respect and obey her, then, then Dad will be here to handle that. Buddy, that straightened her right up. <laughs> she did not want Dad to come home until he helped me gain more confidence in my own parenting and um, but we did have a lot of weekly debrief times that we would get on the same page um, and implement new strategies that were creative that he would he was really a huge support in helping me um, just be more confident as a mom and there's reasons as to why I was so insecure in my own story um, and that I've grown a lot um, between you know having Sarah and then having Laura, um, Andrew but but it really has, and I think it's continued even into our teenage years. There's been a lot of times where I'm freaking out, you know, about something, and he's like, it's okay. And these are things that, honey, these are the conversations I have with the girls. The girls just throw up. I mean, I hear every detail of their whole day. I'm like, could, y'all, could you sum that up? And then Andrew, we hear nothing. Um, but he really helps. I can see a lot of, you know, patterns that are happening um, and then we can sit down and talk about this is what we need to, how we need to move forward with this child or, you know, situation. Okay, running out of time. Last one. Uh, so you got authority, God's word, um, created order, discipline, and, and lastly, God's forgiveness and grace. Um, maybe the most important, it, God's discipline is not disconnected from his grace. Uh, it's actually the source of it. And... Um, I said that our, our spanking utensil was called the gospel spoon. <laughs> and I mean that. It was, our kids understood this, this 
spoon, yes, is a, a rod of correction. But mom and dad need the grace and forgiveness of Jesus to give you this discipline. And you're going to need the grace and forgiveness of Jesus to accept this discipline. This is the gospel spoon. Um, we, we love you. We do this because we love you. And it's not to try, this is for your good, you know, as you're whacking them. Um, it's a process. Discipline for us, if it was retributive like that, was a process of explaining the gospel. How we forgive, uh, how they're forgiven. And, and, and what's incredible about this is just about every time, after all the tears and all the drama, it usually always ended in laughter. There was just a, a godly laughter about what had happened. Uh, because we were restored. And that's what happens uh, with God, right? Is he rejoices over you with singing. He celebrates that you're now restored and renewed in your relationship. That's got to be our goal as parents is that uh, we're training our kids to understand forgiveness and grace as it pertains to their discipleship as well. All right, um, because we're out of time, let me, uh, let's, let, let me, let me try to land this plane. So the, the way we wanted to land this is I was going to give four just quick, real quick, and I'm going to give them to you, and I'm going to give you one story that kind of crystallizes them, them all. that <laughs> uh, just happened recently. And to dads, and then Danielle, uh, do we have the, so that's, that's the mom slide, and uh, where's your paper? This is, this is what that slide's supposed to look like. So she's going to give you a few notes. I mean, not all that, but just a few thoughts there. Uh, here's mine. Go to the dad's one. Uh, go ahead and put them. So I got four points, right? Um, of course. Dads, think and lead. Um, don't advocate your leadership to someone else or something else. Take the time. Some of you are better than others at this, and that's okay, but take time. Take time in your devotional life. Take a morning coffee on Saturdays and just think for your children. Think for your family. What are you observing? What are you seeing? What are the needs? Get some help and then lead through it. It's okay if you fail. Just lead. Lead forward. Take responsibility. Take initiative. Uh, fail forward is what Truett Cathy said when he made Chick-fil-A. Fail forward. And he got a bunch of Chick-fil-A stores out of it. Uh, initiate repentance. Uh, dads, you have to initiate repentance in your house. It has to start with you. Paul, Paul clearly said this. Third, create space. What I mean by space is create a culture in your house where people can talk and laugh and cry and flail about and, and process. Create space. Uh, an environment. Uh, I, my favorite word over the last six or seven years is an ecosystem. An ecosystem of life. Uh, create that space. And, and she's going to talk about that some too. And then create fun. Uh, Dad is ought to be fun. Again, some of, some of y'all are better at it. I, I'm not... I'm, I'm fun, but I'm, I'm, I'm a serious guy too. So, um, but I, I want to create fun around my house, uh, around what we do, wrestling in the bed and uh, telling jokes and watching funny videos and you know, just creating, creating fun. So a quick story about this that kind of co- combines all these. So you know, our kids are 19, 17, 14, and 12. And one of the things I've seen, and, and some of you older parents can, can attest to this, one of the greatest struggles for that teenage is just confidence, that they, uh, where are they placing their confidence? Uh, what is their confidence in? So we're coming home from a middle school basketball team, and Andrew's on a really good middle school basketball team at Southern, and he's, he's about the eighth man on the team. So he's the third guy off the bench, right? So it basically means he plays when we're winning by a ton, right? He's, uh, he's John Calipari um, for the most part. And, you know, but he's a good player. He's just on a good team. 
And, uh, and so we've been having these conversations about, so he got in the car, he played like 26 seconds one game, and he got in, he came in, and he said, Dad, am I just no good? Am I just a terrible basketball player? And I could see it on his face, his confidence was really struggling. And then he kept going. I mean, all the guys tomorrow at school are just going to say, ha, ha, you didn't get in the game. And I could see now he's, his confidence is being not just in basketball, now it's shifted to his peer group. Oh, man, this is crazy. So, you know, you know, he's good for about two minutes of that kind of self-disclosure, and then he's turned off. You know, he's a typical middle school boy. And so we're, we had a 30-minute ride home from the game. So tw- the next 28 minutes of the ride was just silence. And the whole 28 minutes there, he's fine. You know, he cried it out, and he's fine. He's got the radio going. He's playing his music, whatever. And the whole time I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, help me. This, is, this, is a, this, is, this feels like a, a crisis moment for him. Help me when I get home to help him. So I came up with this idea in my head. We got home. And it just so happens that Laura and Caroline were there. And they're going through similar things in their, their years. So I said, all right, team meeting. Everybody in the kitchen. Andrew, why don't you go outside and get a big rock? Bring it in the house. And he went out and got a big rock. Went to the garage and got a book, big bucket. Put a, put a towel in the bucket. And I got four real fragile plastic cups out of the pantry. And so I, I said, all right, here's, Andrew and I had a conversation. I went through the whole deal about the confidence thing. I said, I want to give you an illustration about confidence right now. So I put two plastic cups. I said, Andrew, pick your rock up. That first cup right there is your is basketball, your sport, your, your, your athletics. I want you to drop your confidence in that plastic cup. He was like, it won't fit, Dad. That's right. Drop it on there. And he dropped it in plastic went everywhere in the kitchen. He was kind of, you know, all right, now this next cup is your peer group, your friends. Drop your confidence in your peer group. You know, it's splattered. All right, I said, what's the lesson? Don't put your confidence in a basketballer. Right, you, you, one, you'll crush, the, you, it won't fit. It won't, your confidence is that strong. It's that important. And I had a big bucket. Drop your confidence in that bucket, and the bucket held it. All right, your bucket's God. God can hold your confidence. I said, it's cool, right? I said, yeah, wait a second. So I went into the fridge, and I got two eggs. I said, but your confidence right now as a 12-year-old is not a big, rock, solid, strong, going to crush things. It's fragile like an egg, isn't it? And he started tearing up. So I said, I want you to, I got two more cups. I want you to drop your fragile confidence in basketball. And he dropped it. And the cup held, but the egg broke. And I said, do it to your peer group. Peer group held, but his confidence broke. And in the bottom of the bucket, I had a towel. Drop it in God. And it didn't break. So all the kids said, what's the point? Hope in God. Put your confidence in God. So that, that lesson was all of this to me. Lead wolf, uh, establishing authority, God's word, thinking creatively, intentionally, thinking individually for my children. And we came up with this, this, this illustration that is helpful for me even now as I think about it. Where am I putting my confidence as a, as a, as a man, as a parent? Uh, I hope the bucket is God. So, so dads, uh, there's thoughts for you. All right, Danielle finishes. Not do it. No, no, uh, do, do for sure that. Okay. Um, so, Will wanted me to come up with a, um, something for the PowerPoint. And I said, honey, this is, I, what do you, I don't even know what you do with this. So I have different colors of markers and pencil and pen and um, notes. I'm, I am artistic and, um, you know, much more free-spirited than, than the bullets. So I came up with a couple of things. Um, 
be a life giver, I would say, would be the, the biggest one that as um, just a new mom and a new wife, I wanted to be a life giver in our home. Um, uh, I met with a lot of women um, and still do, but when I was young, married, and just was encouraged to be a life giver. A couple of ways that I've seen that and what that means to define that would be don't be afraid to fail. Um, we, the one thing that God does not do is he doesn't have to be, repent, but the one thing that we do as parents um, and just as husbands and wives and um, just humans is that we repent. Um, asking your three-year-old for forgiveness for losing your temper or forgetting to fix their lunch or, you know, whatever it is. Um, teaching your children to, for, to forgive um, each other. Um, one thing, this is not an event, but an ebb and flow of your daily life. I remember reading Shepherding a Child's Heart, and it seemed like, oh, my gosh, it's going to take 30 minutes every time I have to sit my kid down and say, I'm sorry, and will you forgive me, and you say you're sorry, and, you know, and define all that. But, you know, it's just, you don't have to give your kids a sermon about it. Just, gosh, will you forgive me? They'll learn. They'll grow. Um, the second part of that that I thought about was um, don't parent out of fear. Um, we've had a lot of college students in our home. They have said a lot of things at our kitchen table. Um, so our kids were exposed to a lot of things at early ages. Um, but it's brought great conversations. And people's lives are messy. My life is messy. Your story is messy. Um, but children are so gracious um, and accepting. And so I think that we've learned a lot from our kids. Just um, We've learned from our kids and lo- loving and accepting people that come and sit at our homes because our kids have done it really, really well. Um, another thing is just schooling options. Um, don't peer in our fear. Schooling options. We have done everything. We've homeschooled. They've gone to Trinity here. Um, and then, like, a private school. And then we've also done public school. Um, you know, just... Be intentional. You know, parent, you you have to parent through something. Pick what you need to parent through. Um, But it feels, it feels scary sometimes to make hard decisions. Tate's Creek High School is scary. That's a rough place. And Laura's thriving. Um, And so we're parenting her through the issues that she has. But Caroline is at Trinity and we're parenting her on different issues. But you have to parent. Um, Okay, I need to, um, a couple, let me see. So one thing that, um, one thing I did want to say is, well, no, okay, Sandy Wilson said the other day on um, Thursday night, said, I am the problem and Jesus is the answer as far as the fear. I am the problem and Jesus is the answer, thankfully. Um, but I think that I, it's okay. I feel a lot of freedom in the um, failing as a parent because I'm not identified by my sins or my failures, um, but I'm identified by the righteousness of Jesus, and God sees the righteousness of Jesus. And Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, you know, I am guaranteed to fail, but I can find freedom in the gospel. Um, so be confident and courageous in Christ as a mom. Um, love your children well. Um, build relationships with your children. I think that's so important, and it's just so fun. It's really, really fun at this stage. Um, to get calls from your daughter in college who's like, hey, mom, I need help. You know, how do I do this or what do I do? Um, so it's just been, it's fun to see your children grow and become, uh, just come into themselves. And then um, I just like thinking about, um, we, just to summarize something I said earlier, we are part of a larger story, so give your children a story that is bigger than them and that's worth living. Um, and so those are... Kind of some thoughts. It's good. Okay. 
All right, we need to, we need to stop because um, it's a little bit long. Um, so here's, here's the, the deal. So tomorrow...